five now. I mean, sorry, number five, number one, chapter number one. Where am I going? Galatians chapter number one. And as you're turning there, um, I do, before we jump into the message, want to just make us aware as a church of some of the needs that there are. And, um, and so one of the needs that was shared with me, uh, Brother Dave's been coming a few weeks now to our, uh, to our church, and his wife, Ines, uh, went with her sister. She was going to have a, uh, a routine surgery done in Monterey. And uh, before the service, he was just kind of giving me an update on what was going on. And uh, looks like there were some major complications after the, after the surgery uh, to the point where Hermana um, Ines' um, sister, her name's Patricia, um, was, she had passed out, needed blood. They've already done a couple of blood uh, transfusions and things like that. And so um, just want to take some time this morning uh, to pray for that situation, to pray for Patricia in particular, uh, that God would just put his hand of healing on her and uh, give the doctor some wisdom on how to kind of handle uh, the situation. And, uh, and then I also want to mention uh, Brother Larry and his wife, Patty, uh, who are gr- just my favorite. They are my favorite. Uh, um, but uh, Brother Larry had uh, so a procedure done on his eyes, and, and uh, it's supposed to uh, help his eyes at least get stronger. And that process has been delayed quite a bit. And uh, so it's going in the right direction, but I just want to take some time this morning to be praying for him. And then uh, Miss Patty, his wife, has got a, um, a procedure on her hip coming up uh, on Tuesday the 15th of June. And uh, so just want to be praying for her uh, that's coming up uh, on that, uh, that just uh, God would just give, um, give them strength and... Uh, and help them during this uh, during this time. So uh, let's just take a moment real quick before we jump into the word and ask God to be with those situations. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for being a God that not only hears our prayer, but a God that answers prayer. I thank you that you are a God that is not limited by anything or anyone. In fact, your word teaches us there is nothing impossible for you. And what a great promise to know that um, whenever we ask you answer what a great promise to be reminded of this morning that when we are in a time of need we can approach the throne of grace and find grace to help in times of need and father we think about the needs that were mentioned this morning i think of patricia lorenzo that that surgery had these complications from the surgery that she had down in Monterrey. I pray that uh, you would be with her. Uh, first of all, put your hand of healing on her. I pray that uh, you would not only heal her physically, but then, uh, Father, just emotionally as, as this is happening, I'm sure it's something that uh, brings fear into her heart and uh, kind of questioning why all of this happened the way it did and So I pray that you would calm her, that you would give her peace during this time, that you would give her spiritual strength uh, as she uh, goes through this uh, this issue. And then, Father, give the doctors wisdom to be able to treat it the right way and uh, and to be able to to help her uh, get better quickly. Be with uh, Sister Ines that's down there with her. Uh, Give her the words of comfort to share and and to be a help uh, for, for Patricia. 
And then, Father, I also pray for Brother Larry and, and his wife, Patty, that they would, um, uh, Father, just also have your hand of protection on them. I pray for uh, Brother Larry's eyes as they are still recovering from the procedure. I pray that uh, he'd be able to recover quickly and uh, be able to have the sight that he had before and even stronger, uh, for that was the purpose of the procedure. And, and so, Father, I pray that you would be with him on that. And then the upcoming surgery that uh, Patty's going to have, I just, I just pray that you would uh, be with the doctors in the pre- preparation of all of that. Be with them, Father, and, and comfort them, I pray. And we ask all of this in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Well, we've been studying the book of Galatians, and we said that this book is all about freedom. Paul is sharing with the Christians in Galatia how they can have freedom in their Christian life. In fact, what was happening was false teachers had come in and were teaching them a doctrine, and doctrine is just another word for teaching, we're giving them a teaching of having to do something else to add to their salvation. In other words, God's favor was not going to be on them unless uh, they followed some rituals and traditions. Uh, One of them being circumcision, another one of observing the Sabbath. And they were trying to get these Christians that had received the gospel of Jesus Christ, the freedom that is in Christ, and bring them back into bondage of following traditions. And so the Apostle Paul is writing to them, trying to help them understand, no, we, we're, the, the, the freedom in Christ doesn't bring us back under bondage of the commandments, the Ten Commandments, or what is known as the law in the Old Testament, but rather uh, the, the freedom that we have in Christ gives us uh, the ability to live in a way that honors and glorifies God and gives us freedom. So that's what Paul is writing about. And by the way, now I'm seeing Brother Saeed. Does anybody else need notes? If you need notes, just go ahead and raise your hand, and Brother Saeed will get you those notes, and, and that way we can follow along as we study uh, the verses here in chapter 1. So we've already looked at uh, the, the first 10 verses of this chapter. We've seen how Paul was kind of responding in this letter to what was happening, how he was trying to uh, confront in a loving way uh, the, the Christians that he had Uh, reached with the gospel, trying to correct uh, the wrong doctrine that they were given and and help them to to see that there is actually greater freedom in Christ than what they were experiencing and what they were being taught by others. And so now we pick up in verse number 11 on this study of Galatians 1. Now let me say before I read verse number 11, there's something that we need to understand and it's this. If you're a Christian this morning... The Christian life is a journey that takes a lifetime to finish. The Christian life is not something that we just live for a week or six months or a year. I was reading a book not too long ago that was recommended to me of this uh, Navy SEAL. Uh, The author of the guy's name is David Goggins, and he kind of shares his life story in the book. And, um, And he shares how he went through the Navy SEAL training Uh, called buds three different times the first two times he didn't make it through the training so they gave him one more opportunity and on his third time he finished it and uh, that that training that buds training is really a six month thing but there's one week that they call hell week and they keep them up for 130 hours that week right they're giving them 
basically maybe two to three hours of sleep for three days of work. And they are, you know, uh, doing push-ups, they're doing all kinds of exercises. And the whole point of that is for their mental toughness. They're trying to weed out uh, who are the non-strong mentally soldiers and who are the strongest mental uh, mentally soldiers. And uh, they, they, you know, they'll have a class of 300 try out uh, during that time and only about 15 to 25 will actually make it, will actually get through that week and finish the, the rest of the training. So it's a very intense uh, training. And when I think about it, I think, okay, Navy SEALs, they go six months, they get through that training, and then they start their missions and, and life slows down a little bit. But you know, in the Christian life, it's like that training happens all the time. We're not going to have just six months and then we're done and we've passed it. The Christian life is a lifelong journey. And along the way on this journey, God gives us truth that will help sustain us and carry us into times of hardship on this journey. I wish I could tell you that the Christian life is all smooth sailing, but it's not. It's not. You're going to run into hardships. You're going to run into times of depression. You're going to run into times where you don't want to come to church. And you really don't want to read your Bible. And you, you really don't want to hear preaching. And, and you just kind of, you want to just unplug from everything that is Christian. You have those times of hardships. And many times those hardships come along because of different circumstances in life. Sometimes somebody will say something in church, you'll hear about it, and, and it'll make you want to disconnect. Or something will happen in your personal life, something you were praying about, and God just didn't answer it. Or maybe he didn't answer it the way you wanted to. He gave you a no instead of a yes. And you get, you get discouraged by that. There's a lot of things that can really bring hardships in our life and trials and difficulties. And, and because of that and knowing that that was going to happen, God gives us some of his promises that we are to fall on, right, lean on during those times. One of those promises can be stated this way. All right, one of these truths can be stated this way. And I didn't put it in your notes, I forgot to, but you can write it in your notes. Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. During hardships, what would be the nights of our journey, it becomes very easy to begin to doubt what God has promised. To really trust that what he said he was going to do, he'll actually do. Because everything around us, our, our nature there is telling us. All these little, you know, uh, red flags are coming up telling us, no, that doesn't add up. Nope, that's not going to work. That's that. and, and that's the time that you really got to trust God's promises. And it's hardest to do. And that's why there's this principle that God gives us. Don't doubt in those times what God gave you in the good times. You know, have, have you noticed that when everything's going well in life, right, your job's going well, your family's going well, uh, when you hear someone say, man, God is good, everybody goes, yeah, he is good. And my kids are doing great. Uh, you know, they're going in school and God's providing for them and they're doing really well. You know, my marriage with my wife's going great. At work, it looks like I'm going to get promoted. Yes, God is good. We can all agree with that. We can all say it in those times, in the good times. But it's in the tough times that it's harder to say that. 
when there's an unexpected event in your family and tragedy hits. At that time, it's harder to say, man, God is good. You lose your job because the economy changes and it starts going down or you lose your business. It's hard in those moments to say, man, God is good. He's really working. When your marriage is starting to crumble or you see your kids not making good choices, it's hard to say then, man, God is good. It makes us now want to doubt that truth. And that's why it's so important, this principle. Don't doubt in the difficult times what God has promised you in the good times. Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. In other words, when the journey gets tough, what gets us through is remembering God's calling in our life, is remembering what He's taught us through His Word. I heard about a, a father that was kind of trying to teach his son a little bit about this, of, of persevering, of, of trusting in God through the tough times. And, and he was kind of just giving them the examples that were coming to his head and, and, and he was saying, son, now you can't quit. Son, you, you got to stay at it. You got to keep persevering. Uh, he said, we always remember those that hang in there, those that persevere. He says, if you, if you look at Abraham Lincoln, for instance, he, he didn't quit. He persevered through all the criticism and, and heartache. He persevered. He said, look at Thomas Edison. Through all the failures of, of his inventions, he persevered. He said, look at Douglas MacArthur. Uh, when, when the Japanese um, made him have to flee from the Philippine Islands, he, he, he didn't quit, and, and he ended up uh, getting the reinforcements and coming back. And then he said, and, and look at, you know, Elmo McCringle. And his son kind of stopped him there, and he said, Dad, Dad, um, wait a minute. Um, who is Elmo McCringle? And he said, exactly, he quit. You don't know who he is. Nobody. You know, in the Christian life, it can be that way. If you don't get in your head that it's a lifelong journey, you can end up being Elmo McCringle and not persevere, not get through. Here the Apostle Paul, pretty early in his ministry, and his work to follow God's calling in his life is getting criticized and lied about. Lying about the message that he's giving. Lying about his character and what he is calling himself, being an apostle. These false teachers are saying, Paul's not an apostle. Paul's not with the original 12. I mean, look at him. And they start attacking his person. They start attacking his message. And, and how is it that he responds? When you get to verse number 11, he starts breaking it down. We've seen a, a few responses in the first 10 verses but now he starts breaking it down a little bit more specific so as to give the galatian christian some confidence in what he is saying and what he is doing so notice what he says in verse number 11 as he addresses that he says but i certify you brethren that the gospel which was preached of me is not after man in other words what i've teaching my message is not something i got from somebody else from a man he said for i neither received it of man neither was i taught it but by the revelation of Jesus Christ. For ye have heard of my conversation, in other words, my lifestyle, my testimony, in time past in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I persecuted the church of God and wasted it, 
and profited in the Jews' religion above many my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous of the traditions of my fathers. But when it pleased God, who separated me from my, father, my, my mother's womb and called me by His grace to reveal His Son in me, that I might preach Him among the heathen, immediately I conferred not with flesh and blood. Neither went I up to Jerusalem to them which were apostles before me, but I went into Arabia and returned again unto Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to see Peter and abode with him 15 days. But other the apostles saw I none, save James, the Lord's brother. Now the things which I write unto you, behold, before God, I lie not. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was unknown by face unto the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed, and they glorified God in me. So here's Paul's response to these false teachers that are attacking his apostleship and attacking his testimony, attacking his ministry. Here's how he responds in that moment, how he perseveres through that criticism and can I just say that the freedom that we have in Christ allows us to persevere through some of this stuff. You will be attacked. You will have hardships in your, in your Christian walk. There will be criticisms leveled at you. But the, the fact of the matter is that the freedom that we have in Christ, the salvation that Christ has given us, helps us to persevere through that criticism. So I want you to notice how Paul answers. Notice if you, in your notes, first of all, that Paul, starting in verse 11, explains his apostleship. Now, one of the main criticisms of Paul by the false teachers was his declaring himself to be an apostle. They said, well, he was not part of, you know, I don't remember like Peter, James, and John, Paul. He, he wasn't in the, in, the, in the disciples of Christ. He didn't even walk with Christ. When Christ was here on earth, he, he wasn't there as, as part of one of those disciples. So how can he be apostle? I mean... The book of Acts tells us that to be an apostle, you had to have known and spoken with Jesus Christ, and you had to have seen him after the resurrection. So if Paul wasn't in one of those disciples, how could he have seen and talked with the Lord Jesus? So they're attacking his apostleship. And here's how Paul explains why he is an apostle. He said, I'm an apostle because God called me to be a messenger. I didn't become an apostle because I was there with Peter, James, and John. I wasn't. But my apostleship wasn't because of them either. He said, I, I got it because God called me to be an apostle, a messenger of his. And, and he answers that in the context of authority. In the context of authority. He says, I certify you, brethren, that the gospel was preached uh, of me is not after man. In other words, it wasn't an organization that got behind me and said, we want you to be an apostle. He said, I, I didn't get it from man. Uh, the false teachers were trying to use their positions and titles as the reasons for what they were doing. They were telling the Christians like Galatia, you know, we're from Jerusalem. I don't know about you, but you know, in Jerusalem, that's like, like where all religion really started. And, and we have, you know, like the temple and, and a lot of synagogues there and, you know, we study the scriptures. I mean, we study uh, the book of Genesis and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy. We have the scrolls of the prophets. And I'm telling you, 
Well, I know I, I graduated from that. I've got the, the academic qualifications. And I'm telling you, Paul's not an apostle. You can't believe what he's saying. He's not giving you the whole truth. They're attacking him that way. They're trying to attack the authority. Like Paul, who gave you the right to be an apostle? You didn't come out of Jerusalem. You didn't come out of our schools. You didn't come out of our churches. I mean, where, where do you think you're doing? Well, where do you think you're going with the message that you have? And Paul says, look, the reason I'm an apostle isn't because of the disciples, not because of the church there in Jerusalem. It's because God called me. And God, uh, Paul's answer to those accusations is simply pointing out the fact that an authority higher than the disciples called him. He's telling the, the people at Galatia, now, let me ask you something, Christian. Who's higher in the pecking order, the disciples or God? The Galatian Christians are going, well, God, great, because he's the one that called me. He's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. The false teachers are saying, well, where, where, where are his credentials? I don't need credentials from men. I didn't receive the gospel from men. I received it from God. Ephesians chapter 3, verse 7 and 8, he talks about that. So in the context of authority, he responds, but then also in the context of originality, all right? Not only did Jesus commission Paul to take the message of the gospel by giving him the gospel, but he gave him the message to preach to others. You see, Paul didn't learn to preach the message of the gospel from going to, you know, a Bible college there in Jerusalem. He didn't. Paul says, in fact, I learned from Jesus Christ himself. The gospel was given to me on the road to Damascus. And he said, and then the Spirit of God and Jesus himself began to teach me this message of the gospel, of what to share with others. He said, my message came from Jesus Christ himself to share to the whole world. And, and I think it's so important for us to draw a principle out of this. All right. The principle isn't that Jesus is going to come to you tonight in a dream. No, that's not what Paul is saying. Okay? But here's the thing. Paul is saying this. These false teachers are accusing me of my calling. It's not a real calling. I don't have the right authority. That I don't have the, the real message, the original gospel. Paul said, first of all, their message isn't the gospel at all. There is no good news in that. They're just trying to make you a slave of rules and regulations. Don't fall for that. But he says, more importantly, God called me, God saved me, and God sent me. Now, here's the principle. You're here at Bethany Baptist Church, and if you're a member of this church, let me tell you, Jeremy Mendoza, the pastor, didn't save you. Jeremy Mendoza didn't call you unto his own. Jeremy can't send you out to serve. That's God's work. God called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. God has given you the talents to serve him. So here's the thing. When criticism comes and says, well, who do they think they are? You answer saying, I don't know. I'm just God's servant. And I see that there's a need here. And God's called me to serve, so I'm serving. Well, who, who gives them that authority? God. 
There's a calling there, and there's something that we need to just remember. In times of criticism, what's going to help you to persevere is your calling. You've got to be confident of who called you, of who called you to give you salvation, of who called you to serve him. People are going to question, listen, as a Christian, people in this church, they're going to question your sincerity, your genuineness. They're going to question if you're really doing it out of the right motives. Let me say that when criticism comes, it's not the time to say, that's why I don't want to serve in that church. That's why I don't want to go to their services. No. That's what the devil wants, to get you off track. That's what he was doing to these people in Galatia. Like, oh, 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 oh Paul's, okay, okay, then I'll, we'll change what we're doing. Paul said, don't. God called me. They're lying about me, yeah, but you know what? God called me. God sent me. We must remember today it was God who gave us the burden. It was God that gave us the heart to serve and to do. So there's a principle there of what to do in that, in that criticism. Let me show you, uh, share with you the second truth that we see here. Not only is Paul kind of talking about his apostleship, but then Paul shares his experiences in verse 13 down to verse number 18. Now, the life of Paul was an amazing life. He went from one end of the spectrum to the other. He went from persecuting and hating Christians to becoming a Christian. <laughs> he went from breaking into people's houses and taking the mom and dad and splitting them from their kids and putting them in prison and beating them. He went from that to loving them and sharing with them and being a part of them. <laughs> It's amazing life. He, 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 it, was, it was quite a swing from one side to the other. So, so when facing all these lies, Paul had to share his testimony of how God changed him. Now, now he does this to prove his message's authenticity. So these false teachers are saying, well, Paul doesn't have the right gospel. He, he first of all, I mean, none of the disciples were endorsing him. I mean, nobody, they didn't teach him. And Paul said, well, that's okay, because God taught me. The resurrected Christ gave me the message. And, and let me tell you how that happened. And he begins to go into a little bit of his testimony. In verse number 13, you've heard of my life, my conversation in times past, in the Jews' religion, how that beyond measure I, I persecuted the church of God. So he's telling them how he received this message, the authenticity of the message. He says it wasn't from the apostles. Listen, the apostles were scared of me. So for them to say, oh man, what Paul's teaching, for these false teachers to say, what Paul's teaching, man, that's something like, that's like man's religion. That's something else. That's the wrong. Paul's saying, well, who told me? Who taught me what I'm teaching? It can't be the disciples. They were scared of me. They thought I was lying about becoming a Christian. And then he said, it can't, it can't really be the Jews because they hated me for becoming a Christian <laughs> because I left their ranks. He said, so if it wasn't the Christians who were scared of me and it wasn't the Pharisees that I left, the Jewish religion, then who gave me my message? Paul said, it was God. This is authentically God's message that I'm giving to you. So 
he shares his testimony to prove the authenticity of his message, but also the origin of his message. It wasn't something that came from a lot of different philosophies and a lot of things that he heard from a lot of different people. No, no. It was from the resurrected Christ himself. Appeared to him and talked with him and spent time teaching him, just like he did with Peter, James, and John when he was here on this earth. He did very much the same with Paul. See, one thing we see about the Apostle Paul is the assurance of his work. Knowing his calling was important for him to go, but knowing his message was important for him to share with others. So when the false teacher was saying, well, where did he get his apostleship? Paul said, well, I know who called me. It was God. Well, well, where did he get his message? Paul said, I know the message because it's the message that transformed me. I'm not giving you something that didn't happen in my life. I mean, when I'm telling you that by faith and faith alone, you can find freedom and the forgiveness of sins, I'm telling you it's by faith and faith alone because that happened in my life. He says, you know my past. I persecuted the church. Before that, I was in the Jewish religion and I was, I was going up the ladder. Uh, notice what he says in, in verse number 14. And profited in the Jews' religion above many of my equals in my own nation, being more exceedingly zealous than uh, of all the traditions of my father. I mean, he said, I, I was doing that. But he, once he gets to verse 15, he says, but when it pleased God. And this message of the gospel that I shared with you, when it came into my life, changed everything. By the way, the gospel changes everything everything. And knowing that message was allowing him to share that with the Galatians. He said, let me tell you a little bit about the doctrine that I'm teaching, about the message that I'm sharing. It's a message that transformed my life. Now listen, here's the principle. Listen, that same message is what transformed you and me. That's why we need to be a people of the book. Because listen, if you don't know the message, you're going to get confused really quick. We live in a world where terminology is being changed all the time, right? You, 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 can, you can read sometimes in, uh, you know, celebrities in their lives, and they, they say, yeah, I, can't. I had a coming to, to faith moment. I just think, and what does that mean? Coming to faith moment. Did you get saved or you didn't get saved? You know reason they can't say, oh, I got saved? Because many of them don't know the message that they're sinners. Many of them think, well, I came to church and I just decided, you know, I heard the preacher and it sounded so good. And I said, you know, I walked out of there and I said, yeah, my life right now is not going well. I, I, need, to, I need to do something different. And to them, that's a coming to faith moment. But the message of the gospel is this. I recognize that I'm a sinner, that Jesus died on the cross for my sin. And I'm asking him to forgive me of my sin and be my savior. That's the good news. That's the gospel. They want to change that terminology. They don't want to use the biblical terminology anymore. And that's why Paul says, that's why you got to know the book and know the message. These false teachers, they have no idea what they're talking about. Because they haven't had the gospel transform them. It was just another thing in their religion. Oh yeah, Jesus, oh he was a good rabbi. Oh, he was a good teacher. But you know, along with like forgiving your, your enemies and, and loving them that persecute you, you also need to like go to church on Saturdays because it says remember the Sabbath. 
And, and you also got to follow the law and, and get circumcised because that's what, I mean, that's, that's, that's what the law says. They just didn't know the message. So Paul shares his testimony here in this part of the letter, just reminding them, reminding them. That's why I love what he wrote to Timothy in 2 Timothy. He said, for this, for the which cause I also suffer these things, nevertheless, I am not ashamed. For I know in whom I believe. And I'm persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. So Paul talks about his apostleship comes from the Lord. I'm called of God. He said about the message. Let me tell you about the message and the gospel that I, I, I communicated to you. It's the same gospel that transformed my life and changed my life. So he shares his experiences, his testimony. And then notice what he does in verse 20 down to verse 24. He recounts his ministry. He recounts his ministry. What he's been doing since receiving that calling. He says in verse 20, Now the things which I write unto you Behold, before God, I lie not. He's basically making an oath here. I swear, he says. Afterwards, I came into the regions of Syria and Cilicia and was known by face into the, and it was unknown by the face into the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. But they had heard only that he which persecuted us in times past now preacheth the faith which once he destroyed and they glorified God in me. He recounts his ministry and and he tells them this is where it began. I love that in verse 21, he says, I went back into Syria and Cilicia. Do you know that Syria and Cilicia, that's where Paul grew up. In fact, the city of Tarsus, he was known as Saul of Tarsus. Remember in Acts, before his name was changed to Paul, Tarsus is in Cilicia. It's in the province there. So here's what happened. God called them. God transformed him. God gave him this message. He is sure about this message. And you know where he goes? Back home to share the message. He recounts to them the ministry that God called him to. And being in that region, they knew who Paul was. Right? When he gets into that area, they, they know, hey, Paul, um, are you still in, in Pharisee school? Because I know you went down to Jerusalem, you were under uh, Galamiel, one of the most prolific uh, rabbis in Jerusalem. You still doing that? And Paul's saying, uh, no, no. Actually, I got a, a different message, a new message. I have the good news, as it's called. But what is that, Paul? What is that? And he begins to share with them. He begins to share with those that went to the Jewish religion with him. He begins to share with them the message of Christ, the gospel of Christ. You know what they do because of that? They hate him. They begin to persecute him. And in the midst of all that, he's still working. He's still doing ministry. The ones that were all about him going and persecuting the church are now the ones persecuting him. And yet there he is, still being a light for Christ, still following the calling in his life. Now, can I say that God is calling us to do the same? If you've received that message, you probably have some criticisms leveled at you, as I said already. So what does God want me to do with those criticisms? Just keep serving. Just keep serving. Where? At the place you're at. 
Paul realized pretty quickly, in Jerusalem, they don't like me. They're coming after me. Where am I going to go? And the best thing he thought was, you know what? I should just go back home and start there. Uh, can I say for you this morning that I've heard the calling of God and received the salvation of God? He said, what do I do with that message? Start with it at home. Is there somebody at home that doesn't know Christ as his Savior? Start by sharing with them that message. Maybe you have a neighbor that you grew up with that kind of knows you a little bit. Share with them the message of the gospel. Maybe in the neighborhood that you've lived for 15 years, maybe there's someone down the street there that doesn't know the message of the gospel. What are you to do? Take them the message of the gospel. You see, he shares with them what God had been doing in the ministry that he had been called to do. Where it began, and then I want you to notice what impact it had. By the time he gets to verse 24, he says, and they glorified God for what I was doing. From the message of the gospel, they wouldn't glorifying me, they were glorifying God. Can I say that the goal of our work in any ministry that God has called us to is to glorify God? You know, as a person that's running our uh, slides uh, back here, Justin's not supposed to do that so people can go, wow, that guy, he knows computers. He's unbelievable. The way he works PowerPoint, that's amazing. No. I hope he knows computers because that's what we're putting him to do, right? But the end goal of that is to glorify God. I, I, I hope people can leave that are visiting us for the first time saying, wow, I really understood the message. I, I just like that they had like some screens up there so I could follow it with the notes because sometimes I didn't hear what he said, and, but it's written up there, so I just wrote it down. It's because there's somebody back there ministering to do that. It'd be really hard for me to say something, then run back there and hit a button, then come back up. You'd get really tired of that pretty quick. But there's someone that's ministering in that area. There's someone ministering in the usher area. There's somebody ministering in the microphones, and there's ministers here, there that are singing and playing the piano and just doing the work of God. And Paul says, you know what the impact of doing that is? God's glory. So let me tell you something, Christians in Galatia. Don't go back into slavery. Listen, the freedom in Christ, the freedom that you've received in salvation is the freedom that allows you to persevere in criticism. It's the freedom to follow God's calling in your life. Not to go back to this religious system. No, no, no. Don't go back to a religious system. Most of us, if we didn't grow up in a, the Catholic religion, we at least had family members perhaps that grew up in that religion. It's a system. It's a system much like what these teachers in Galatia were teaching. Oh, you got to do this, and you got to do this, and you got to do this. Then maybe God will forgive you. And if he doesn't, then you got to do this and this and this and light these many candles and do these many Hail Marys. And then maybe God will forgive you. And now these teachers are saying to these people that got saved and put their faith in Christ and has the forgiveness of sins, they're saying, now you got to go back, though. Go back to the religion. That's great. That's great. I'm glad you have Christ and you have salvation. But now, you know what, what, you know what Pastor Jeremy is not telling you? 
not telling you the sacraments. Has he even talked about sacraments? See, you're missing out. You're missing out. Paul is saying, no. That's what the Jewish religion is. It's just a system of do's and don'ts. And we're going to learn in this series why that is such a terrible thing to live by, why it, it keeps you captive. But keep coming every Sunday. We'll talk about that in a little bit more in detail. But this morning, what I want you to take with you is that the freedom we have in Christ helps us to persevere through that. Because the freedom of our calling gives us, one, the authenticity of a message that is from God, not from me, not from some church, not from some organization. It's from God. God called you. He saved you. He changed you. That the message that you have, it's not like the message of the Mormons. It's not the message of the Jehovah's Witness. No, no, no. It's the, it's the truth of God. It's the gospel. It's the good news. That salvation comes by faith alone in Christ alone. And then he says, take that message and start ministering. That's what I did. Just went back home to Syria and Cilicia and I was there, ministering there. And God was teaching me more to give more and do more. And you know what? As a result of that, God was glorified. So this morning as we finish up, let me just say, the Christian life, it's a journey. It's not smooth sailing. So let me tell you something. Don't doubt in the night what God gave you in the light. Paul easily could have started questioning himself, his ministry, and everything else because he's thinking, oh, they don't like me. They don't like me. I mean, <laughs> God, what's going on? But it was in that moment of criticism, in that moment of being attacked, that he was more sure of his calling, more sure of his ministry, more determined to serve what God had called him to serve and do. Can I say we ought to do the same? We ought to do the same. There'll be doubters in our life, yes. Some that might lie about us, yes. Some who might question your motives in ministry, yes. So I'll just say this morning to persevere, just do what Paul was doing. That's what he was telling the Galatians. Just listen. People are going to try to get you off track with all these theories and things and deep discussions. Listen, don't, don't get off track on the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. That's serving. That's your calling. That's sharing the message. Just keep that in your life and you'll be all right. And I can just say the challenge for us this morning, same thing. And I pray that we'll do that, that we will respond in the same way. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word and thank you father for the example of the apostle paul in his life of in the midst of criticism and being lied about how he father was even more sure of his calling how he was reminding those christians in galatia what you did on that Damascus road in his life how he reminded them of the message it's a simple message not a message that pulls us back into rules and regulations no it's a message that actually gives us freedom and greater freedom and then father the ministry that came out of that message and out of that calling 
Oh, Father, I pray that as your church today, that we would have that in our minds. That we would remember who it is that called us out of darkness. That we would remember the message that was given to us that we received. The message of grace. The message of mercy and forgiveness. Of love and of hope. We would share that message, Father, and that we would minister in areas that need ministers. Help us not to back away or question it, but help us, Father, to move forward with the filling of your Spirit. Work in our hearts, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. This morning, I'm going to ask as, uh, if you would stand as we uh, finish up our service this morning, as we just meditate upon what we've heard in God's Word, I pray that your heart has been opened and reminded of just the truth of your calling and the message that you were given. I pray that this week we live that out. All right, let's minister this week in a way that we allow God to to use us and impact others, that they also might glorify God. Let's sing this last song, Bro Jason will lead us in the worship team as well. Worthy is the Lamb. Let's sing that together.
Lord, we're so grateful and thankful for this service this morning. Lord, we're just thankful for speaking to us.